Welcome to DSM. My goodness. You know, I'm a little bit hot on the mic. I don't know if I need to be this loud. I've got a big mouth anyway. Welcome to DSM, DSM. Man, there's some faces that I noticed in the worship that I was walking around just looking at you guys. I haven't seen some of you in a while, so it's good to have you guys back, man. Welcome back. This, is, this has been an amazing month already. And, and oh, anyway, I'm just going to get into my notes. I have so much to share with you guys. But we're starting a brand new series tonight called What's Love Got to Do? got to do with it. Yeah, I don't know nothing about that, but that was actually a hit when I was your age back in the day in the 1980s. Yes, I had a mullet. I was actually starting to grow a mullet. I had a mini mullet, and um, this song was a hit, and no, this is not a love and dating and sex series, so for, you know, those who get a little bit nervous and still think that the stork brought you here, go back and listen to the podcast from this time last year. Uh, the series was called Bay. Who was here for the Bay series? Let me hear you. Let me hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, here's the truth of it, man. A lot can happen within a year, and so a lot of you still need relationship and dating advice. So I encourage you to go on iTunes, download the podcast, go back for 12 months, and listen to the Before Anyone Else series and get caught up. How many of y'all remember David's seven rules about keeping it real with your boo and your shoddy? Do y'all remember those seven rules? All right. <laughs> what was the one? What was it? What? Stay vertical. Oh, my gosh. Glory to God. Y'all remembering stuff. Retaining. Man, I love students that have retention. But anyway... Tonight, this is a whole different type of series about love. So if you came here hoping to hear, like, you know, all about sex and blah, 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 just listen back to the Bay series. You'll get, you'll get an earful, and your parents will probably be walking by going, what are you listening to? Pastor Dave? Oh, he's a pervert. No, I'm just kidding. So here we go. Last month, though, let the Lord get me back on track. Here's a mini sex series. You ready? God made it. It was his design. When we do it his way, he blesses it. That's the sex series right there. Okay, cool. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to redeem that moment because it was going south quick. So anyway, with that said, last month we started a brand new series for 2018 that was really based upon a word that God gave me for this ministry. I am not into hype. I'm not into manipulation. I really seek God for his will for this ministry. And I'm like, Lord, I can't lead without vision. I really can't. I, I wouldn't be a good youth pastor unless there was a fire within me that I could chase. And, and he gave me this word, imagine. And I'm like, that's so interesting. But then I sat down with this rabbi like a couple of days after this, and he was talking about Psalm 24, Psalm 24, where he says, the psalmist is writing about lift your heads, O you gates, right? Open up your ancient doors and let the king of glory come in. And, and I was like, that's so beautiful and poetic, but I really don't know what that means. He explained it to me, this, this expert in, in Hebrew, expert in the Old Testament, he said what that means. He says the psalmist is challenging the reader to open their mind and allow God's divine imagination to come through the, your gates, opening your mind and imagining greater things than what you even could imagine on your own. It's like so crazy. And so I was like, Lord, then what does that look like? He's like, David, take these students back to its foundations of DSM. What is DSM all about? DSM stands for passion, intercession, consecration, and mission. That's what we're about. If you think of a table, there's four legs. That is what DSM sits on. And while those are very simple words to say for most of us, it's a lot of syllables in most cases, but while it's easy to say, easy to agree that these are good, 
This is a lifelong pursuit of a Christian to live passionately and worship God and worship him through their actions, through their the way that they worship with their mouths, the things that they pursue, godliness, his word, passionate about God, not just passionate about the things God has in his hand for you, but passionate for his heart. Big difference, right? People who are passionate for the heart of God and seek the heart of God find the heart of God. But those who seek the hand of God, many times we're disappointed by what he's got in it because we don't understand why he has these for us or says no because we don't know his heart. Do you see what I'm saying? If you know his heart, you understand the blessings in his hand. That's just good, y'all. That should have gotten a much better amen than that. Uh, y'all are, are cold. No. But here's the thing. Passion. And then we talked about intercession. And if you weren't here this week or this, this week that we did this, I read this story about one of the greatest movements in the United States that took place through the power of intercession. Intercession, we learned, is it's prayer, but it's not praying for yourself. It's praying for, on the behalf of others, okay? We are about praying on the behalf of others. We're praying on the behalf of DSM. The students in here, you, my, myself, Abe, Nikki, every single week we go into an office and we pray for you guys. We intercede on your behalf. We're supporting you guys. We're cheering you on and going to the great I am on your behalf. It's kind of cool to know, right? We do. We pray for you guys. But what we learned is that there was a couple of people, six people. It started with the heart of one, but he got six people to show up in New York City. True story. They, they showed up and they said, we really want to see a move of God. We want to see people come to Christ. We want to see a movement take place. But there's only six. What, you, what can you do with six people? In God's kingdom, you can set the world on fire. God used only 11, and here we are. Six people took intercession seriously. They begin to pray. The following week, there was 23. The week after that, there's about 120. After a year, one year, because six people chose to start interceding and pleading to God on the behalf of those around them, their city, their country, over one million people came to Christ. Now that's crazy to us. And my challenge to you guys is if only six people can pull that off, what can 200 students do? Do the math. Do the spiritual math. God listens to intercessory prayers. He always opens his ear. You want to know why? I think it's easy for him to hear those prayers because not a lot of people pray them. So I think if you want to get God's attention, you don't have to jump up and down and scream and say, here I am. I think all we have to do is just start praying his heart. God, would you bring healing to Colorado Springs? Father, would you bring salvation to those around me who have no hope? God, would you bring your spirit of healing and restoration and remove spirits of depression and anxiety and replace it with salvation and Jesus and joy and humility? I think God hears those prayers loud and clear. But not only does he hear them, he goes, all right, now I can do something. I got faith in this city. I see it in the hearts of these students. Then we talked about what consecration is about. And many times we think consecration is saying no to things that we really, really like. But we talked about the fact that that's not it, man. It's just saying, it's pushing these things out of the way to make room for the better stuff that God has for you. I like good, but better is always Better, right. Okay, so that was that week. Then last week, Jeremiah Parks was here, my buddy. 
He came and he preached about mission and what it means that when you live passionately and you begin to intercede and you develop a heart of God and you consecrate yourself and set yourself apart for the better things and make room for God's blessings in your life, then your purpose begins to come into clarity. We all want to know what we're on this planet to do. And a lot of times we walk, Christians walk around their whole lives confused about what they're supposed to be doing. It's because they're not going through the steps to arrive at the place where God can now unlock the door and open it and say, this is what I made you for. There's no quick way to discover your purpose and mission unless you truly seek God's heart first and love him for that. Because if he gave you your purpose too soon, too many of us would say, thank you, and we would run out right out the door and go pursue our purpose and find our identity and our calling instead of in Jesus. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a youth pastor. I'm a son of God. And if I ever get that backwards, my identity becomes the stage, and it becomes how many people were coming to this room. And my identity is about how I feel about things and how people treat me. That's not my identity. Here's the truth of it. I love that most of you love me. But here's the reality of it. Even if you didn't, my father does. And that's really enough. It's really enough. But I like your love. I was just sharing with one of our leaders earlier. I'm a very, most preachers and preachers like me, um, we're very needy people. And so we're like Labrador retrievers. Okay, you cannot love on us enough. Okay, you cannot go, oh, good boy. I caught the ball, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's me. Okay. Little insight to my weird mind. But tonight, we're going to continue to seek God. Because while last month was awesome, God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? I'm making a, a way in the desert, streams in the desert, a way in the, in the wasteland, in the wilderness. And so who knows what this month is going to look like? Who knows whose hearts are going to be lit aflame what God does. So, Father, I just say, have your way. You got this, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be in this room to hear truth tonight. Truth is in short supply, Father, in this world. And so, Lord Jesus, would you testify by your Holy Spirit to your word? And may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in Jesus' name. Amen. 2018, February, already here. 11 months before we turn the calendar to 2019. It's nuts. But I want this year to matter. I want this year to count. Don't you? You know, we make all these resolutions and statistics say that like 94% of people after 21 days make these resolutions, already break them, and they go back to their old ways. Do we have to do that? Four people go, no. Everybody else goes, I have, and I'm kind of comfortable with it. <laughs> What's love got to do with it? So here's the, here's the thing. This is an interesting title because I had to research the lyrics because I realized for the last 30 years I've been singing it wrong. Okay, I, I, do you ever listen to songs and you, you just swear up and down, you're singing them right words and then you see them on the internet and you're like, what? <laughs> right? That's kind of me. But the real lyric of this song, this sticks out to me, it says, the singer says this, she says, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? And you know, man, I think it was like such a timely word, it's almost prophetic in a way, because she didn't know at the time that I would be up here bald after the song is a hit, and, and standing here as a 46-year-old guy going, this is, oh my gosh, this is this generation. I think that we have such a disregard for hearts because our hearts hurt so much, 
and your generation's heart hurts so much. I think this is a call and a, and a mantra for this generation is like, dude, who needs a heart when it can be broken over and over and over again? And too many students just like you guys are sitting in here and you got wounds on your hearts. You've got things that haven't been healed and you're hurting and you're like, dude, if I could do without my heart, I think I'd be a lot happier. I wouldn't dare ask you to raise your hands, but I think too many of us, we kind of get to the point where we may not say who needs a heart when a heart can be broken, but we just throw our hands up and we go, then what's the use? Our world is just too jacked up. My school's too just jacked up. My life is too just jacked. It's just too jacked up. And David, honestly, man, how can I make a difference anyway? How many of y'all have ever thought, man, I want to do something, but I don't even know where to start? How can I make a difference anyway? I'm just trying to survive. Look around the room. Most of us raise our hands, and I feel that way too, but God has given me some revelation for this week for you guys. It's not what you think. Say, it's not what you think. I think what this does is, is it forces too much when we think like this. We go, what's the use, man? Like, what can we do? The world's just getting worse. My friends are just acting worse. I'm getting worse. It just seems like everything's just getting worse. What's the point? I can't change the world. So what happens is this, though. And if this is not just us. This has been going on generation after generation after generation. What we do is it forces too many Christian students to come into a room like this, okay? We worship legit. We pray for our own needs. And we just hope to survive. How many of y'all you're being really honest would say that sounds kind of like me I'm just trying to survive this year man really yeah I see that hand glory to God you see the problem is though is it creates for a very selfish experience with God it really does and so we we just got I'm just trying to survive I have so much pressure and guys you do like, the more I get to know you and hear your stories, I, I honestly don't know how half of you do this. Like, y'all are machines. But the problem is, is that when we don't understand who our source is, we forget. And in the craziness of our lives and our schedules and the pursuits to be excellent at every single thing, I think when God comes in the scene, throughout our day, we just go, oh, I can't do this too and so what happens is we turn our experience with God into a once-a-week thing where we come into this room and we're so glad that DSM is like this oasis for you. But God wants so much more for you than just to give you an hour and a half of his love. This is a lifestyle. And it's different. But too many Christians, we come in here and we, we forget that. And the cares of this world and the burdens on our backs, we walk in and we're just like, God, I just, I just need to, I need to be reminded that you even care. And that's cool. This is a place for that. My wife and I were talking and I was sharing with her something that a youth pastor told me when I first got into youth ministry. He said, David, you have to create an, as an experience that students can't live without. And, and what that really means is that when the presence of God is here, that's something no human can really live without. And so we just want to create more room for Jesus and less room for gimmicks and stupid stuff. We just, because we know how you're walking in. You don't need to blow a Cheerio out of your nose in a game. Although that would be a cool game. Could you write that down, Mr. Abe? Thank you. You need Jesus, right? You need to be reminded that he loves you. And so I just, I want to explain to you that the problem is we weren't made to live for ourselves. So when we live with a survival mindset, what happens is 
We forget what our hearts were made for. And we go, man, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? But our hearts were made for life. And they were built to love. That's what our hearts were for. But so many of us were in survival mode and we want to protect our heart. We go, man, if I can get rid of this thing, I'd be better off. But I, we have to understand why are we made for love? Why is our heart built for love? Because you are made in God's image. Genesis 127 says that you have been made in the very image of God. And so you bear God's image. And because you were made with his image, you have a heart that's supposed to love. And it's hard, though, because it hurts. So this question of what does love got to do with this, I think God answers it through his word by saying, it's got everything to do with it. You see, it's love that produces life. It's love that rescues. It's love that leaves the 99 to go find the one. It's love that makes a path for the prodigal son to make his way back to his father's home. It is love that bleeds on a cross so that we could have new life and a fresh start. This is love that opens the door for our purpose to be able to go higher and open our divine imagination so that we can experience the life that Jesus said he came to give. It's love that does this. You see, without love, everybody say without love, our actions are empty. Without love, we have no value. Without love, our world will grow colder. Without love, there's no hand to bring comfort. Without love, all that is left is noise. And there is a lot of noise in our life. Is it this or not? You see... Scripture says something about this. Scripture says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of the angels, but don't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Imagine me having two pots in my hand, banging them together for 40 minutes instead of talking. No one would want to listen to that. You're like, two people are like, actually, maybe a better sermon. I'm just kidding. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. For my students in here who've been walking deeply with the Lord for a while, I want you to hear this. Because some of you do, in fact, have the gift of prophecy. And we celebrate that. But scripture says, if you understood all of God's secret plans and possessed every bit of knowledge about God, the Bible, you can crush it in Bible drills. Scripture says, if even you, if you had faith that could um, even move mountains but you don't love others, you would be nothing. You mean you can have spiritual gifts given by God and you can have faith that can move a mountain, but if you don't have love, you're worthless? Does that blow anybody's mind in here? Does that bother anybody in here? It sure does me. If I gave everything that I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could brag about it, but if I didn't love others, I wouldn't have gained anything. Love is patient and it's kind. It's not jealous, it doesn't brag, it's not proud, it's not rude, it doesn't demand its own way, it's not irritable, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs, it doesn't rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever truth wins out. And I believe part of the reason why is because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And so when Jesus shows up, 
through the power and the message of truth. We need to be rejoicing in that. It never loses faith, and it's always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. And Scripture then says, let me boil it down for you. There's actually three things that are going to last forever. Curious to know what these are? Faith, hope, and love. But if you want to know the top thing that lasts forever and ever and ever and ever, the greatest of those three is love. Can it be any clearer? Like love, what? So maybe you're going, okay, Dave, this is, this is interesting, but what has love got to do with me? Like Dave, I was thinking about this, that maybe we're sitting at Starbucks in the blessed and highly favored chairs and we're having our car caramel macchiato, smack your mama drinks, right? We're doing all this stuff. Maybe you would say, David, hold on. can you hold on a second while I fix this music stand? It's made for like someone who's two foot three. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, I'll be able to preach so much better. Now it's too high. Now I look like I'm two foot three. This is great. But maybe you would say, Dave, I, I, I do love. Relax. I, I do love my friends. I do love DSM. I do love Jesus. I love, I love fasting. I love prayer. I love all the good stuff, David. I would say, wow, that's great. That's awesome. I mean, I really do mean that. I don't mean that to be sarcastic. I'm thrilled. We want you to do, love these things. The problem is, is I came across this passage that's kind of scared me, and it should scare you a little bit too. Because when it comes to this kind of love that we're talking about in this series, I have to let you know, you actually still may be missing what it means to love like God wants you to love. Hold on, David. I love everything and everybody. I'm not, yo, hold on. Look at what it, you know, hold on, let me just back. You know that John Mayer song? You ever heard that song, Love is a Verb? Yeah. yeah? Anybody over 24 knows that song? Okay. God's love is an active love. Everybody say active love. And the love of God not only is, but the love of God does. Okay? The author Bob Goff said this in his book. He said, love is never stationary. God's love for you is not stationary. You see, God's love for you is running after you, chases you down, will not let you get away. It's that kind of love, and it's not stationary. It doesn't stay just in heaven where we go, hey, God, can you give me a little bit more love? Hey, God, thank you. Thank you so much for that nugget of love. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. His love is pursuing you. You came into this room because you think you chose to come here, but you came into this room because God loves you. And God brought you in here so that you can hear that he loves you. See, his love is active. Love does. Love doesn't stand still. Love moves. Real love moves towards messiness, though. And that's the challenge that a lot of us as Christians, students, we feel like, man, we love God. We go to church. We love DSM. We make moral choices. We really worship God in this room, and I don't want to disparage that. Good. Amen. We should. However, even if you go to D groups, all this stuff, God isn't that impressed with it. If we walk out of these doors and do not share the love that we have experienced from him. It's true. It's like super serious kind of true. As image bearers of God, we have to share an active verb-like love immediately. Immediately. If you haven't been doing it, start right now. Pat your friend and say, you look amazing tonight, just so we can get the ball rolling, okay? 
Here's why this is a big deal, because Isaiah scared me. Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament, and I hope he scares you too. Listen to what it says. Check this out. It says, shh, this is God talking through Isaiah. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Isaiah, tell my people of their sins. My people. God says my people, not these pagans over here. No, no, no. My people, my children, tell them this. They act so pious. They come to temple every day. You think it's a battle to come to DSM one time a week? These folks were coming every single day. And they seem delighted to really learn about me. Okay, so far so good. Where, where's the problem? Where's the offense? Where's the sin? Does anybody spot the sin yet? I haven't. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of God. So we're coming in here and we're making moral choices. We're, we're, we're listening. We're taking notes. We love God. We worship. We sing the great I am. Where's the sin? They act, but they ask me to take action on their behalf. So you know what they're doing? They're praying. They're interceding. They're saying, God, take action. Change the nations. Bring salvation. Bring healing. Lord, thank you. We want to move of you. They're doing the right things. I'm not mocking this. They're doing good stuff like we do. Where's the sin? God begins to show his hand a little bit, he says, but they pretend they want to be near me. Pretend. But you're going, I don't pretend. Well, hang tight. God is saying, good for you that you come to DSM, you act righteous, you fast, you pray, you intercede, and that's great. But you pretend you want to be near me. What does he mean by this? This is what the Lord showed me. To be truly near to God is to be near those who are in need and or suffering. We go, I need to feel near to God in this room. Cool. But God is saying the recipe to being near to him is not focusing on what you're not getting in your life right now. If you want to feel near to God, start entering into situations where there is lack and pain. That's where God is at. That's where God's at. These God followers were doing all the right things except one thing. They didn't take this love and go to the pain and the messiness and the lack and the needs. God says this, DSM, if you have my real love inside of you, here's the product of what will happen. Okay? So we receive God's love. We're here in DSM. He speaks to us. He reminds us of his love. It's a tough world, but he loves us, and, he, and he's gracious, and he loves you. And he puts his love inside of you by his Holy Spirit. But when we take that love, we should not be hoarders. God gives us love enough for ourselves and be able to share it with others. He never gives just enough. He gives too much love so that if you share it, you'll never run out. The problem is, is we don't share God's love, and guess what happens? I start talking to students who say, David, I don't feel close to God. David, I don't feel like God loves me. David, I can't hear God speak to me. It's because we're not sharing his love with others. He can't replenish the supply. And it becomes this stagnant well. We go, God, this isn't enough anymore. And then we stop praying. We stop reading God's word. We stop showing up to DSM. We just kind of start wanting to give up on God because we feel distant from him. When in fact is, if you want to be near to God, DSM, all you have to do is go where people are hurting. 
and he will show up there in you and with you and for them. You see, we're on a mission. We're not here to live for ourselves anymore. Here's the product according to the scripture. If you take the love that he's given you, whatever little you feel like you've got, and you begin to take it to those who are in need, here's what happens. He says, here's what it should look like. When you take the love, it should actually free those who are wrongly imprisoned. It should lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. What are the chains that bind your friends at school? They're not walking around with visible chains, but you know what those chains are. What are the people in your school that are oppressed by? Popularity, academic prowess, athleticism, uh, wanting to be in that crowd, whatever those things are, right? That's oppression. You're lo they're looking for something that those people or things can't give them. They're really looking for love, guys. They're looking for approval from parents, from some parents who will never give that approval because they're never good enough. And so they try to find it in a boy and a girl. They're trying to find God. They're trying to find love. And yet you've got it. But if you got it, God says that if you want to be near me, you can actually go to these hurting people that you know and love and go to school with, share his love with them. They could be set free from the oppression and the chains. I'll just let the Lord speak for himself. He says, share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. Don't hide from relatives who need your help. So your little brother needs help with algebra? The Lord just told on you. Don't run from your relatives that need help. Okay. Either you're really convicted or you're really bored. I can't tell the difference. God will never ask us to do something he won't bless. Okay? Now that's a good word. Whatever he is putting on your heart to do that sounds scary, you have to understand, if he's put it on your heart, he's going to bless it if you obey him. I say that because of what's next for those who choose to take their love for God and share it with those around them. You ready to see what's going to happen if you do this? Then your salvation, DSM, will come like the dawn, and your, your wounds... Your wounds on your heart. Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? That's the former thing of your life. Those wounds he wants to heal for you. He'll heal your wounds, and it won't take a long time. It will happen quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. You know what he's saying there? God has got your back. You don't walk in this world alone. You don't go to Lewis Palmer alone. You don't go to DCC alone or TCA or any other group of letters. The truth is, is God's got your back. But you got to share the love first. Then, everybody say then. When you call, the Lord will answer. Saying this. Yes, I am here. Y'all need to, some of y'all really need to hear that from God tonight. You need to hear God tell you that. Yes, sweetheart, I'm here. What do you need? Yes, my son, I'm here. The great I am. And your ninth grade self, what do you need? He will quickly reply. If you want to hear God talk to you, go to where God is. If you want to feel his love, go to where he's already at. 
and he's in the brokenness, and he's in the pain, and he's in the lost, and he's in the lack. Go there and begin to do something about that. And God's like, what took you so long? Now we can get the party started. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors, though. And some of y'all, I don't know who, but the Lord has just put on my heart right now that some of y'all are some of the biggest haters at your school. And you'd be hating on people, and you're talking bad about behind their backs, and you're participating in these bullies' activities. Please be convicted and know that you are partnering, partnering with Satan when you do this. That's uncool. And you're the one who needs God's love the most in this room, probably. So it's saying here, love me, but love others. And then you'll know my love. But quit pointing your finger and judging people and acting like you're better than everybody, because you're not. And anything good in you is only because Jesus has done it for you. He gets the glory. You're not special. Thus saith the Lord. Feed the hungry and just help those in trouble. The kind of love that God is talking about, and this is where we're going tonight, and we're about to land this sermon in a minute. Is <laughs> that love is honestly, if I was going to put it to you in a word, love, this kind of love is just wrapped in compassion. That's it. Everybody say compassion. Yeah, yeah, it's not this big hard thing to do. The truth is, is any of us in here can live this way and experience this like tonight. God promises that when DSM begins to love like this, God double, doubles down, and then he says, then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually. He will give you water when you're dry. He will restore your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. And some of you, you're going to rebuild desert, deserted ruins of your cities. If you love this way... He's saying, not only are you going to be able to set people free, but I've called you to come in and set people free and then begin to rebuild. He says, you're going to re rebuild deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of the walls and a restorer of homes. DSM, this is prophetically yours to take tonight. I want you to understand this. Behold, God is doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Why would we not immediately just go, Dave, great sermon. I'm sure the rest of it is great. I got to go out and start loving people just like that person right there. They're leaving. They're ready. They're ready to go change the world. You see what I'm saying? Praise God. God is speaking to us. Look at me. God is speaking to us. He's speaking to me, David. Go, say it. Let's be honest, though. This kind of love scares us. We get inspired in here. Scares us out there. This is why this kind of love amongst Christians is so rare. And this is why when non-Christians talk about Christians, what's the first thing they say about us? Oh, they're all just a bunch of hypocrites. You know why? Because we are. We say God is love, but we don't act like it. God is love, but we don't share it. We come and have these holy huddles, and then we do go out and we do nothing. Guys... I'm telling you right now, in the name of Jesus, I'm going with or without you. And I know that I've made that threat many times last month. I feel even more strongly about it now. I want to be a restorer of walls. I want to be known as a builder of walls and homes. Do I have any Bob the Builders in this house tonight? Finally, a reference that people got. Excellent. This kind of love demands a response. But God demonstrated 
his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still yet sinners, see. And since we've been made right in God's sight through the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from condemnation. Do you see that this is the kind of love that was demonstrated by Jesus? He demonstrated his love by laying down his life because he had compassion for you. His love does and did and finished it. You see, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's made us friends of God. And if I'm a friend of God, I should probably hang out with my friend and do what my friend does. And my friend loves. You see, Jesus' love is a demonstration, not just words. Everybody say, not just words. It's time to get to work. You see, his love was marked by compassion. I'm going to jump down a, a verse. But there is a point where he was doing his ministry, and he was healing a lot of people, and he was announcing the good news about the kingdom of God, and he's doing stuff, right? But when he saw the crowds, it says that he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, guys, the harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Oh, Jesus, would you please send workers into the field tomorrow? Use this bunch right here, Jesus. They can do it. They can do it in Jesus' name. Our love should look like compassion. And so you go, okay, Dave, then what do I do? What do you want me to do, Dave? I'll tell you. Compassion? You're not going to believe how simple this is. The hardest part about showing compassion is taking one step towards brokenness. That's the hardest part, okay? Compassion, I would tell you this, starts with being aware of what is happening around you. How many of y'all, when you go to school, if you were to look at it through, what, what the heck's happening behind me? That's bizarre. But if you go to school tomorrow, and you begin to look down the halls instead of seeing people who are this, that, and the other. What if you saw them through the eyes of Jesus and saw and realized that they were confused and helpless and they were sheep without a shepherd? You see, love enters into brokenness and messiness. You have to be aware of your surroundings. I was thinking about this when I went to Jason's Deli this afternoon to load up on salad because I'm trying to keep things in a range that's respectable so I don't look massively like a donut here up on stage in those pictures that Abe posts on DSM's Instagram. So I'm doing the best I can. But I was thinking about this. I was like, why do we not respond to brokenness? You want to know why? I think it's because we've gotten so used to seeing it, we don't see it anymore. I really do. I just, I don't think we see it anymore. We're just so used to seeing brokenness that... So... I'll tell you about my own personal experience with this. And, and guys, I rarely talk about myself and about what I do spiritually because I don't want it to look like I've just got it all together. I'm not bragging. I'm making a point. But Sarah and I, honestly, we, we just try to make a habit out of just blessing strangers. It matters. God puts it on our heart and we got it in our pocket. It's going to them. I don't prejudge them. I don't care if they go buy a six-pack of beer with the money. Because nowhere in the Bible does it says be generous provided they fill out a form and they're qualified to be generous too. You see, this is what the grace of God looks like. He gives us something when we don't deserve it. 
give them the five bucks and let them go buy a pack of cigarettes and a big 12-ounce beer and just go, that's the grace of God on your life, bro. Jesus loves you. People judge you. He loves you. Whatever. So all I'm saying is, is that, like I was in Memphis this past November, and Jacob and Elizabeth, who's on our DLA team, they were with me. And, they were, and, and then once again, I'm not bragging. I'm just simply pointing out how your youth pastor tries to live. I want to live this out. I like it. You get a high from it, okay? So, so we're in Memphis, and Memphis is one of the saddest towns in terms of homelessness and panhandling and stuff. But Jacob and Liz were just kind of blown away by we would walk into a Starbucks, inevitably. Some dude walks up, hey, man, I don't have any money. Can I get some, can I get some money? I was like, bro, gold or silver, I have none of that. No, I'm just kidding. I just said, listen, I said, um... I said, bro, I don't have cash on me, but I would love to bring you in here and buy you something to eat. You can get some coffee with us. You can get a little whatever. He's like, oh, yeah. So I go in, sit down with him, hear his story. People would want to throw him out of the room, out of the, out of the restaurant, but he's with me now. They can't do it. He, he's a paying customer. He's riding on my dime. And I dare anybody to try to come and tell me, can we stop messing with the lights, please? Okay, that's cool. Just put them on and let the Holy Spirit light up the room. Okay, here we go. Here's my point. It's symbolic of the gospel, but it's not hard. And so I spent four bucks, big deal. But I got to share the gospel with him. He was willing to listen. Okay? Another, like two days after this, we're walking into Jason's Deli, because Daddy's trying to keep things real. Walking into Jason's Deli. Jacob is with me. Liz is with me. Another dude walks up. Now this guy looked creepy. Okay? Freaked me out. I didn't know if he was going to eat my face off, stab me, or be nice. I wasn't sure. So I'm like, can I help you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't be stupid. And he's like, man, I'm just hungry. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Brought him in. Gave the man dignity, dude. I bought his food. Sat him down. I prayed for him right at the salad bar. Who cares? He said, can I get this in a box to go? I was like, for sure, but you can eat with us too. Please sit down. He's like, no, I think I need to go. Okay. So when I was a youth pastor in San Antonio, I was on my way to church, okay? And this is a cool story. I was on my way to church, and I pull up to the gas station, and I was on my way to youth group, and um, preaching this night about probably about the love of Jesus and how we would share it. So I pull up to the gas. I'm filling up my car, okay? And there's this girl who pulls up in a car on the other side of the pumps, and she, she puts the, the thing in, the, in her car, and she begins to pump gas, but it was like 14 seconds later, and she was putting it back into the, the pump. Now, some of you have been grown up in a privileged house, which is wonderful. You don't know what that means. I've been broke most of my life. I know what that means. That means I got $2.04 that I scrounged up underneath my seat to put into the tank. So all I did is I walked over and I said, hey, I noticed you only put like $2.04 into your tank. Do you mind if I just fill it up for you? She only cracked her window this much. She was creeped out by me. How could you be creeped out by this face? So I said, so I was like, okay. So she's like, uh, yeah, I guess, okay, for sure. And I was like, okay, cool. No strings attached. We don't need to be loving so we can feel good about ourselves. We love because it's generous and it's liberal and we, we don't get anything back. God repays, okay? That happened in 2011, Okay. I believe it was last year, I got an email 
from my boss at another ministry before I came on staff here. And he said, David, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I'm forwarding this to you because I don't know what to make of it. Let me share with you what the email says. Now, it's 27, six years, five, six years later, this is what she writes to my company that I'm working for. She says, I live in San Antonio, Texas, and I found a business card from David Martin. Somehow, I guess I had the good sense to give her a business card and say, hey, come to church, okay? This is what she wrote. She said, I believe he and I met one day at a gas station. I was a college student and still am, but at the time I was working part-time at Six Flags as an amusement park and living paycheck to paycheck. I had just under $4, that's what she says, to put in my gas tank, and a man came up and asked me why I put so little. I explained that I was out of work from park season ending and put only what I had, and this man filled up my tank for me. Now, please, don't clap at the end. This is not about me. I want you to understand that being aware of your situation is the point here. Being aware of a need around you and taking one step to address it as best you can. I'm not a hero. I'm just wanting to be obedient. And I want to feel God's closeness to me just like you guys do. Check it out. I did not get out of my car, she says, because in my past, I had been physically and emotionally abused and was really scared. So somewhere along the way, men have abused this girl. And here's another man approaching her car, God only knows. I received a business card from David Martin and how he was a student minister. Today, more than four years later, okay, I found his card and I wondered if it was the same David Martin. So she must have Googled me, researched me, tried to track. She found me and this is what she said. I want to tell anyone reading this that I cried that day because I then reconnected with God. Although I still struggle, Jesus has given me the strength to graduate now from Palo Alto College in May, and I continue to work to earn a bachelor's degree in psychology at Texas A&M San Antonio. Now put the slide up. Now listen to this. I have also become an ordained minister because I think if I can share or give hope through God's message, then maybe I can bring the light just as Mr. Martin did to me. I continue to grow as an individual, and I just want to say thank you and God bless. I want to tell you this story because it wasn't that big of a deal for me. It changed her life. And I want to share with you, when it comes to sharing, showing compassion, small acts of compassion can make a huge impact. That's the truth of it. What do we do with this? Well, I became aware of a need. And the need is this. I heard from Pastor Brady a couple weeks ago. I'd heard it before, but it didn't register. But tonight, as you guys go home and get into your beds, praise God for them, you take a hot shower, you have a belly full of Chick-fil-A, glory to God. Here's what's going to be also happening at the same time in our city. There are going to be single moms who are running from abusive men, over 800 of them, according to our mayor, with their children in the car, guys. And they're going to be looking for the safest parking lot to park their car and sleep. Now, here's the kicker. Most of these women are employed, and they're taking their children to school. But their children can only get breakfast and lunch. There is no dinner. They have it at school. But these moms need like 1400 bucks to like get a deposit for an apartment. You know what I'm saying? But if you're just trying to survive and put $4 into your tank, how can you get ahead? Do you see what I'm saying? Scripture says in Isaiah that we need to release the oppressed. We need to feed the hungry. 
We need to respond to the brokenness. We need to take steps into messiness. And of course we're all unqualified. But God has all the riches and the qualifications we need. I think he's just seeing if anybody is willing to take a step and say yes and begin to live this way. Scripture says that so whoever, who, whoever knows the right thing to do but fails to do it for him, it is a sin. Guys, I've just shared with you something that if you ignore, no manipulation, straight truth, you're sinning against God. It's a sin to become aware of a need and not do anything about it. So let's get real for a real quick second. As the band comes up. I want you to think about your schools, guys. And I want you to really think about the brokenness and the oppression that is in your schools. And you're going, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, and I don't know what to tell you to say or to do. But here's what I do know. Jesus, his love does. And he wants to bless you. And I'm thinking if you just take a step of faith and enter in with compassion and love, no judgment, and begin to, instead of walking by the girl who's next to the lockers and you see her crying, right, instead of going, drama queen, you actually stop and you go back and you say, hey, listen, it looks like you're having a hard time and I don't want to make this weird, but can I just pray for you? If she says, get out of my face, guess what? You've been persecuted. But if she says, oh, thank you, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about that, right? You're going to go, holy stuff. <laughs> this really works. And you're going to feel more alive in that moment than you will the entire rest of your day. I'm going to promise you this, guys. This is true. You see, God is doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? So, Aiden, come on up. So you go, okay, Dave, you got me. By the way, if you want to know what that passage is in Isaiah, so you can read it again in your quiet time tonight, we'll put it on, can we put it on Instagram? And that way y'all can, re please reread it. I think it's the NLT version. Make this, this month's Bible study for yourself. In addition to Pray 21 and the other things. But the question you're going to be asking is, okay, I'm in, Dave. What do I do now? Here's what I would tell you. Four things. You ready? Begin to intercede for your schools. We know intercession's cool and it works. But intercede for the hurting and those that are in need physically and spiritually. Second thing, I am asking you to give sacrificially. Some of you are saving for college. Some of you are saving to buy a car. Listen, I get it. Some of you have just a little bit and you're like, dude, I gotta hang on to this because I need to get a new pair of shoes for sports start. I understand all that. This is where sacrifice is going to have to come in, okay? Motivated by love and compassion, not out of duty. If you're doing it just out of service and out of duty because you have to, because you don't want to feel guilty, keep your money. Just keep it. But if you want to give out of love and go, no, this matters more than me, join us. Then we're going to challenge you, and you'll hear more details about this in a second, but give up certain comforts that you enjoy so that you can begin to feel what others feel in order to better understand their pain. I think for some of us, because we've grown up in privilege, 
We really don't understand the value of compassion because we've really never needed someone to show us compassion. We just got what we need, but there's a lot of different ways you can express compassion, but the last thing is this. God has made me aware and has made our team aware of a great need, and here's what's happening in our city. You ready? So these 800 moms, good people, working, trying to get their kids in school, trying to keep things from falling apart, trying to keep from their children from being taken away. So they're in a park, they're gonna sleep, and it's gonna be like 24 outside tonight. They're gonna be in their car. But they can't run the engine to keep the heat on. See, that's what we're thinking. No, they have to have enough gas to be able to get to work tomorrow and drop their kids off. So they have, a, hopefully, a blanket or two that they can snuggle up in and survive another night hoping that no one comes to the car with bad motives. Imagine your mom and you in a car like that. Do you see what I'm saying? So we're now aware of the need, and Scripture says that if you become aware of the need and you don't respond to it, that's called sin. But you go, Dave, I got like two quarters and a button in my pocket. What can I do with that? Aiden will tell you what to do with that, but here's what we're going to do. I'm the kind of guy who likes to swing for the fences. I'm the kind of guy that truly believes that God can do anything. So here's what I'm going to challenge God's ministry, his body to do in response to this need. This month is only 28 days. Not 29. It's not a leap year. 28 days. We don't even have the benefit of a leap year. Here's the deal. We're going to raise $32,500 for Mary's home. Y'all are clapping. But I want you to use those hands to begin to reach into your bank accounts and put money in a bucket, and it's all going to there. Here's why. All of Mary's home that we saw just promoted at the top of the sermon is already fully occupied. But there's other women like the one that my son in the video was talking about that are looking for a place to stay. And guess what our church has just done? They just bought another complex, but now it's got to be remodeled. Our $32,500 is actually going to furnish a room and apartment for a family. And that family's going to be able to go in, and your money's going to go towards cabinets. But it's not for cabinets. It's the food that's going to go in them that's going to make them special. Right? We're going to raise enough money to put a padlock on the door. So this mother who has been abused by this loser can't get in. You follow what I'm saying? The beds that we're going to be able to raise money and buy, those sweet little baby children are going to be able to sleep on something soft instead of a reclined seat in a 1989 Honda Accord. You see what I'm saying? Compassion is sacrificial. And so Aiden, come on over, bro. Tell these students what they need to do.